0: Now, if you are new with us, my name is Trent, one of the pastors on staff here at Epic, and I'm going to be guiding us through part three of a series that we've started called Reset. This is a time of of year that many of us are hitting the reset button in our lives, and we're starting over in some way. So some of us are starting over by eating better or trying to exercise more. There's a few of us that, that open up our January credit card bills and go, wow, apparently I need to start over after all that I spent on Christmas and try to spend less this year. There's some of us trying to quit old habits or start new habits or strengthen important relationships that we have. There's all kinds of ways that we start over in our lives. Sometimes we hit the reset button because we realize we need to start over. Other times, the reset button gets hit for us. Maybe some tragedy happens in our lives, or uh, you get a bad medical report, or maybe your spouse comes in and says, I'm done. Like, I want out. And the reset button gets hit for you, and you find yourself starting over in a way that, that you never thought you would. So we all have to start over in our lives. But here's a problem that many of us face. Many times when the reset button gets hit, we do the exact same things that got us into trouble in the first place. So if we're trying to to quit a bad habit, you know, maybe we try real hard for a a few days or a few weeks and we say like, I'm I'm just not going to do that thing anymore. And then the pressures of life come and then we give in to that thing one time and we give in to a a second time. And then all of a sudden, here we are giving up and we're back in doing the thing that we don't want to be doing. Maybe if we decide, hey, you know, I'm going to eat better, uh, we start eating better. And then the pressures of life, the busyness of life comes, and then all of a sudden, we find ourselves, you know, I just don't have time to eat what I want to eat, so we just go ahead and start eating the stuff that we don't want to eat and find ourselves back in that pattern again. Or if we're trying to fix a broken relationship, maybe we say, you know, this time I'm really going to work on this thing. This time I'm not going to be offended when when my spouse or that person says that thing or, or that person does that thing. And then when they say that hurtful thing or they do that hurtful thing, we find ourselves reverting back to a place that we don't want our relationship to go. So even though we have these really good intentions of starting over and making it different than all the other times that we've started over, often we just do the exact same thing that got us to the place that we don't wanna be. So in this series, we're trying to figure out how do we fix that? How do we keep from going around and around and around and starting over again and again? How can we make sure that starting over really counts this time? How can we make sure that it's really effective? So one of the things that we learned last week is that if that's gonna happen, if we're going to make starting over really count, we've got to learn to think differently. We've got to learn to live differently. We have to, to learn to live and think like wiser people. And so it really encouraged all of us. And we looked at, at Proverbs twenty seven twelve. 12. It talks about uh, what it's like to be a wiser person and what it's like to be a simpleton. And we learned last week that wiser people actually learn from their experiences. Like, go figure that one out. Like wise people actually go, you know what? I'm not just going to go through this this experience and assume I'll become wiser because I had it. I'm actually going to learn from this experience. I'm going to apply spiritual wisdom that God has to offer so that I don't do that thing again. I'm going to do something different this time. So we've all got to learn how to live like wiser people. One of the greatest questions that any of us could ever ask in our lives when we're trying to make a critical decision is what would a wiser person do? What would someone who's a little bit wiser do in this financial situation, or in this relational situation, or this work-related issue? What would they do? How would they make this decision? Slowing down to ask those questions can help us become wiser people. Now today, we are going to talk about something that wise people have done for thousands of years when they've realized they need to start over. We're going to talk about the ancient spiritual discipline of fasting and how that can help us. Make sure that starting over again will be effective this time. Now, if you're new with us, uh, you, you may uh, not know a whole lot about fasting, or, or maybe you, you know a little bit about fasting, but uh, for us as a church, we've started every January in the life of our church with this ancient spiritual discipline. So we're going to talk about that today, and I'm going to invite you to just join us. And you may say, I don't really know anything about that. Why would anybody want to do that? Well, we'll explain that a little bit, and I'm going to invite you to join us on this fast. Today actually starts a two-week fast that we'll be doing that will end on January the 31st. Now, let me define biblical fasting, then I'll give you some examples of it from the Bible. So biblical fasting means to give up food for spiritual reasons. Now, if you are new to the concept of fasting, you may be thinking, why in the world would anyone want to give up food? Uh, We need food for our survival. So why would anyone want to do that? And why would God want anyone to do that? That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, fasting is a way for us to tell God, God, you are more important than life itself. You are so important. I am willing to give up what sustains me physically in order to get more of the one who will sustain me spiritually. That that's more important to me Life with you for eternity is way more important than just my temporary needs. So, fasting is a way to communicate that to God. We're actually going to see Jesus remind us of that in just a few minutes when we look at a fast that Jesus did. Fasting is also a great way for us to demonstrate how desperate we are for God to work in our lives. So, if you're desperate, if you're desperate for God to work in your marriage, if you're desperate for God to work in your finances, maybe to work in your health, maybe to give you clarity on a decision that you need to make or maybe help you overcome an addiction. Then fasting is a great thing to consider doing. If you know someone who's in a desperate place, fasting would be a great thing for them to do and it'd be a great thing for you to do on their behalf as well. Now, there are several different types of fast described in the Bible. First, there's the partial fast, which is also known as the Daniel fast, where Daniel gave up um, meat, uh, other delicacies from the king. He only ate fruits and vegetables. There's also the normal fast, which involves only drinking liquids. So it's not uh, eating any solid foods at all. And then there's the absolute fast, which involves eating nothing and drinking nothing. So I do not recommend that one for many of us. Uh, Obviously, you couldn't do that for more than just a few days unless you really feel like God is is wanting you to do that. But with the absolute fast and the normal fast, I strongly recommend, like, make sure you can handle it. Your body can handle it. And you maybe check in with your doctor or something. There's some great benefits to a a fast like that, a normal fast. Um, But make sure that you can do it. There's some of you that have um, the demands of your work require that you have a certain amount of energy to perform your job. All right, so I've got some friends that are firefighters and uh, law enforcement officers. Um, I don't really want them fasting all food when they're coming to save me, okay? And I don't think you do either. Uh, but again, that's something that you process between you and God, whether you really feel like God wants you to do that. You feel like your body can handle that. There's some other folks for medical reasons that you should not um, fast all food. You got to be careful with that. So make sure you're processing this well based upon what your body can handle and what you feel like God is saying to you. But um, one thing I do recommend, one thing I think all of us can be involved in is a partial fast. We all can do that. Everybody can give up a certain type of food or a certain amount of food. Now, there's other things that we can fast from, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But uh, for a biblical fast, every fast in the Bible involved giving up food. So I encourage all of us, let's give up at least one food item. One thing. I mean, you can give up one specific item. You can give up, again, a certain amount. You can give up certain type of food. You can uh, give up one meal a day. You can give up all food if you really feel like that's something that God might want you to do. Uh, There's all kinds of things that we can give up when it comes to a food fast. Now, in addition to that, some people find it very beneficial to give up other things, like maybe give up time on the internet, maybe time on Facebook, social media, um, give up maybe movies or TV or something like that. I had a friend one time who said he was giving up negative thoughts. I thought, wow, that's creative that's fantastic. Tell me how that works. And so he said, like, anytime I have a negative thought, I don't let it stay. Sometimes I would just think about it and think about it and think about it, and then it'd be more negative thoughts, more negative thoughts. So he said, listen, anytime a negative thought would come in, I'd say, I'm sorry, you can't stay. So I would replace it with a positive thought. Oh, that's fantastic. What a great way to do that. So there's all kinds of ways that we can benefit from giving up other things uh, besides fasting, besides food, I mean. But whatever we choose to fast from, it needs to be a big deal to us. If it's not a big deal to us, it's not going to be a big deal to God. So if you hate vegetables, fasting veggies is not going to lead to a meaningful fasting experience for you, okay? So it's got to be a big deal in our lives. So what is it in your life? What is a big deal? What are you willing to give up for God to work in your situation Again, I think all of us should select at least one food-related item and then uh, another activity beyond that can be a great thing to fast from. Now, over the years that I've fasted, I have fasted uh, everything from all food. So I've done several normal fasts and I have fasted specific foods. Now, for this year, what I've decided to fast from is all meat and all sweets. So for me, meat is a big deal. If I'm not eating meat at lunch or dinner, like, I think somebody's cut my throat and something's wrong. Like, like, I just feel like meat should be on my plate somewhere. Uh, it's a big deal. And I don't know how you vegetarians or salad people do it. That's just rabbit food. I mean, it's like a waste of time. I mean, it's just all lettuce and watery stuff. Um, so again, for me, meat's a big deal. And surprisingly, sweets are a big deal. I don't know that I would have fully recognized that. Uh, Typically, when I go through fast, I do give up sweets. Um, But last week, I started giving up sweets. And this week, I have been so on edge. And I feel like I can smell sugar everywhere. You know, like, sometimes I just lift the can of sugar on the counter. I just smell it. It smells so good. I I think sugar is great. It's just good. It's good stuff. Everybody should have a little now and then. But apparently, it's a big deal for me. And so... Um, no sugar, no sweets, that for me, that involves what I drink. So um, I'm mainly drinking water, um, trying to stay away from sweet tea. Sonny's has some of the best sweet tea ever. Um, And so I will not be drinking sweet tea at Sonny's uh, or eating the meat that's there. But But I love the meat at Sonny's. So that's me. That's the stuff that's big in my life. What's big in your life? What is it for you? So decide that, and then we have to decide what we're going to fast for. Now, here's some examples from the Bible of what people fasted for. Moses fasted before receiving the Ten Commandments from God. David fasted to express deep grief to God when King Saul died, and then he fasted when one of his children was deathly ill. Uh, King Jehoshaphat, um, add that to your baby name book, Uh, He led the, the nation of Judah to fast when they were under attack by another nation. Ezra fasted to express grief over the sin of Israel. Esther fasted for the survival of the Jewish people. Daniel fasted to get a specific answer to God and to keep himself from disobeying some of God's commands. The people of Nineveh fasted as a way to repent of their own sins. Nehemiah fasted when he needed divine intervention in a specific situation. And you might be interested to know that Jesus fasted. So Jesus fasted on several occasions. One that we have recorded in the Bible we're going to look at today is Jesus fasted 40 days before he started what is known as his public ministry. So that time period from when he was 32 and he was 33 and a half, Jesus went around telling everybody the kingdom of God is here, so repent and turn back to God. Uh, During that time frame, um, he's he's focused all of his energy on that. Right at the beginning of that, he started that with the 40-day fast. So, 40 days of eating nothing. Uh, And so, we're going to explore that a little bit together. But before we do that, just think for a moment what do you need to fast for? What's going on in your world? What are you desperate for God to do in your life? What are you desperate for God to do in someone else's life? Again, once we decide that, then we're ready to begin the fast. Now, Jesus' fast that we're gonna look at, it's not gonna apply to all of our fasting situations, but as with Jesus, we can always learn from what Jesus does, and we're gonna learn a lot from what Jesus does while he's fasting. So I encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus and what he does while he's going through this spiritual discipline of fasting. Matthew chapter four uh, tells us about this, and it starts in verse one. It says this very unique thing here. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Now, this is a very unique thing happening here. You don't see this anywhere else in the Bible. It actually has never happened in all of human history. It will never happen ever for humanity. What happened here is the Spirit of God led Jesus, the Son of God, into the wilderness so he would be tempted by the devil. Now, what makes this event so unique is that James chapter 1 tells us that God will never tempt anyone to do wrong. So, when we are battling temptation, we can never say, God is tempting me to do this. We can't say that. The Bible says that when we are tempted, God always provides us a way out of that temptation. So, God will always help us out of temptation, He will never lead us into temptation. But this passage says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus, God in the flesh, to a place where he would be tempted. Why would God do that? Well, oh, I think God did that so that Jesus could teach us how to overcome the temptation that's gonna come at us. And we're about to see how Jesus will single-handedly defeat all temptation that we could ever face and empower us to do the same thing. So again, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, verse two says for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted and became very hungry. So here we see the humanity of God himself. So Jesus didn't eat for 40 days, became very hungry and, and obviously uh, very tired. What would happen to us if we didn't eat for 40 days happened to Jesus. And I love when verses like that are in the Bible because what it teaches me is that we can relate to Jesus and Jesus can relate to us. So Jesus, who was fully God, became fully human in order to fully identify with us. And because of that, we can never say that God doesn't know what I'm going through. Yes, He does. He knows what we're going through. We can never say, God doesn't understand the pressures that I face. Yes, He does. He knows the pressures that we face. We can never say, well, God doesn't know what it's like to experience the human condition. Yes, He does. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to face the pressures that we face. The Bible teaches that Jesus was tempted in every way that we could ever be tempted, and he never sinned. So Jesus has looked into the eyes of your temptation, that thing that tempts you, that thing that tempts you away from God, that thing that you don't wanna do, you don't wanna be involved in, Jesus has looked into the eyes of that thing, and we're gonna watch him defeat it. In this moment, he's gonna teach us how to do it as well. So verse three says, during that time, the devil came. Now, let me pause there for a minute. I don't know what you believe about Satan, what you believe about the devil. There's some people that believe he's real. There's some people that believe he's hiding around every corner. There's some people that look into other people's eyes and go, you got the devil in you. Uh, there, there are other people that say, yeah, that's just made up, you know, fairy tale stuff. You know, religious leaders made up, you know, the whole concept of Satan just to, to keep other people afraid and, and following their rules. Well, regardless of what we think about Satan, Uh, Jesus believed in Satan and we're about to watch him interact with Satan face to face. So the Bible teaches that Satan is a real being and his primary uh, attack against us as humanity is to tempt us away from following God is what he's about to do with Jesus. So we're going to watch Satan tempt Jesus away from following God. So Satan came along when Jesus was very hungry and he said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, what is Satan doing here? He's tempting Jesus in his moment of weakness. And if you would look at your own life, and I look at my life, often that's where temptations come from. Uh, temptations come in those moments where I'm tired, I am worn out, where things aren't going so well in my life, where, where I'm, I'm thinking about quitting or giving in, or, or I have my guard down. I'm, I'm not as alert as I should be, and I'm just kind of relaxed. So often that's where the enemy comes in and tempts us in those moments of weakness. Now, Satan also is tempting Jesus to prove himself. So it's kind of like this. Satan come along saying, Jesus, if you really are the son of God, like prove it. Come on. I bet you can't. I mean, look at those little stones. Aren't you so hungry? You could just make those stones into bread if you were the son of God. But since you probably won't do that, that probably means that you aren't the son of God. Now, I don't know what happens in you when somebody tempts you in that kind of way and says, I bet you can't. But there's something in me. Like, I don't have hair in my head, but the hair on my back of my neck and, you know, stands up and hair in my ears stand out. And I'm like, what? Like, you said I can't? Well, let me show you. Let me show you what I can do. So I'm tempted to step up and go, well, I'll prove it to you. And that's what Satan did with Jesus. Jesus knew what was going on. He knew. If he were to give in in that moment, if he were to prove his power, then Satan would have won in that moment. It's a critical moment for all of, of humanity right here. Satan would have won because he would have tempted God himself to sin. And Jesus knew that. So in verse four, he said, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So again, what we were talking about earlier, Jesus says, listen, the one who sustains us spiritually for all of eternity is way more important than our temporary lives, Way more important than whether we have a meal to eat and whether our bodies survive. Surviving for all of eternity is way more important than that. Being in a relationship with God is way more important than the here and now. And notice what Jesus did there. He used the Bible to battle the temptations of Satan. That's why it's so important for us to become lifelong students of the Bible. It's incredibly important for us to be able to understand what God is teaching us in the Bible. Now, verse five says this. Then the devil took him to the holy city to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hand so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Now notice what Satan does here. He changes tactics. So Jesus used the Bible to defend himself against the attack of Satan. And so Satan comes along and goes, you can use the Bible. Guess what? So can I. And so he uses the Bible inappropriately with Jesus. And that's why it's so important. Another reason why it's so important for us to become lifelong students of the Bible so we can defend ourselves against the misuse of the Bible. And that happens all the time. People misuse the Bible all the time. And if if you think that Satan doesn't know the Bible, he does. He knows the Bible a whole lot better than a lot of us know the Bible. So we've got to become lifelong students of the Bible so that we can know how to defend ourselves against the misuse of it. Just because something sounds biblical, that doesn't mean it is biblical. So again, we've got to study. The Bible says that we should study to show ourselves approved to God so that we can rightly divide the word of truth. That's important for us to rightly divide it because it can be wrongly divided. It can be wrongly interpreted. It can be wrongly given to people. And so we've got to study so we can rightly divide God's truth and understand what God is saying to us through the Bible. So Bible reading is a very important part of fasting and it should be a very important part of our regular lives if we're Christ followers. Actually, Bible reading and prayer, the two most important things that we can do while fasting Something that Jesus did on a regular basis, and we don't always see it here in this time frame, uh, but Jesus often went alone uh, by himself to pray and reflect on Scripture and talk with His Heavenly Father. So while we are fasting, we need to spend our time praying and reading the Bible. Now, to help us with those things, we put some resources on our spiritual growth challenge. So that's something that we make available each week. It's just a one-page document that that has some questions there for us. It's got some uh, questions we can process by ourselves or questions we can process with a group. There's some Bible verses there. There's actually some books there that I've listed for us uh, so we can read a little bit more about Bible reading, read a little bit more about praying, read a little bit more about fasting if you want to grow in your knowledge of those things. We've also added to that our worship songs that we're singing on Sunday morning. So if you're curious, if you hear a song, you're like, I'd like to hear that song again. Or if you would like to add worshiping God through music to a part of of what you're doing through fasting, then you can do that with the songs that we are singing together on Sundays. So you can pick up a copy of that from our Connection Center, or you can download it from our website later today. Now, in verse seven, Jesus came back at Satan with a proper use of scripture. And he said this, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. So with every temptation that Satan came at Jesus, Jesus counterbalanced that with a proper use of scripture. And then in verse eight, Satan changed his tactics again. It says, next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Now, just get how goofy that, that scenario was and that statement was from Satan. You know, Jesus created everything, created Satan himself as Lucifer, a bright, and, a bright morning star was a, another name that he had he uh, was, was created as the angel of light. He turned against God. And just imagine, here's, here's a created being saying to the creator, I'll give you this power. I'll give you these possessions if you'll just worship me. And Satan tempted Jesus with the exact same stuff that we're tempted with. We're all tempted with power. We all would love a little more power. Maybe in in our relationships, we'd like a little bit more power. Maybe in our jobs, we'd like a little bit more power. We all would love a little more stuff. You know, when's enough stuff? I don't know. I I haven't figured that out yet. I want more to figure out whether I, you know, a, a little bit more will be enough. For all of us, we want a little bit more. We'd love a little bit more stuff and then maybe I'll be at a spot where I'm content. So Satan comes along and he tempts Jesus with those things. And again, Jesus saw through that temptation and he said, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then verse 11 says, then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. So in that one moment, Jesus defeated every temptation that could ever be thrown at us and he showed us how to use the spiritual disciplines of fasting, prayer, and Bible reading for us to do the exact same thing in our lives. Now, uh, most likely... Uh, Not all of us are fasting uh, to overcome some temptation in our lives. But if you are, Jesus gave a great example to follow. But no matter what you're fasting from, we can all benefit from what Jesus did while he was fasting. So he spent time praying. He spent time reading the Bible. He spent time reflecting on the Bible. Now, uh, wouldn't it be great if you could just take the next 40 days off of everything and just read your Bible and pray? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, just think about it. Like no work, no kids, no whatever stressful in your life. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, I think it would be great until you've tried it. Like if you've never tried to spend a consistent amount of time really praying and reading the Bible, it is one of the most difficult things that I've done is trying to do that. Now, most likely we can't spend that much time doing that, but what we can do is we can all increase the amount of time that we do spend reading the Bible and praying. And here's the cool thing. If you never read your Bible or pray, you can easily increase the amount of time you do that. So like anything will be an increase. Like 30 seconds is an increase from what you are doing. So, you know, that's a great way to to crack that nut. Now, if you are already doing that, it may feel like, how do I add more time? Like, I would love to add more, but I'm not sure how to do that. Well, here's some suggestions for that. Number one, I recommend deciding how much time you want to spend reading the Bible and praying every day. And here's what I recommend. I I recommend that you start your morning off with that. Now, it's not a hard, fast rule. You know, some some people enjoy reading more at night. Um, So whatever kind of works for you is great. But what I found beneficial is starting my day keeps my mind focused on the right things all day long. So when I'm I'm beginning my day before I do anything else, reading the Bible, praying, then that that just keeps me in in the right mind frame for most of the day. Um, So if you're new to it, just start reading five minutes, Read the Bible for five minutes. You can follow along with what we have on our Spiritual Growth Challenge. Five minutes of reading and one minute of praying. And if you've never prayed before, you might think, what do I do with 60 seconds? I'm not sure I can pray for three seconds. Well, if you begin the journey, if you start a conversation, if you start reading, I I bet you'll be surprised at how much time you can spend reading. And if you just start talking to God, just start talking to him like you would talk with a trusted friend. Just start talking, start praying, start asking for wisdom, start asking for guidance, start asking for God to work in your life. You'll be amazed at how much time you can actually spend doing those things. Now, another way to increase our time doing those things is by turning our moments of temptation into moments of prayer. So when you are tempted to eat that thing that you said you're not gonna eat, like later today, some of you are gonna have a really nice big juicy hamburger That I'm not gonna have. I'll be praying while I'm watching you eat. Maybe Um, I'll be praying. My family doesn't fast meat during this time frame, so when I come home for dinner, there's usually meat on the table. And so while we're eating, I'm just praying. I'm eating and praying and talking to God, saying, "God, like you're more important than that piece of meat. Um, You're way more important than than sugar that I enjoy. Like you're so important, Lord. Like I'm just willing to give this stuff up in order to get more of you." Um, so, so again, we, we got to decide what we're going to uh, fast from. And as you do that, when that temptation comes, turn it into a moment of prayer, a moment of, of Bible reflection. You know, it's a great thing to do is write a Bible verse out that you need that, to help you battle the enemy, keep that with you, pull that out. When you're tempted by that thing that you said you're not going to do, when that thing comes along and tries to ambush you in your day, pull out that, that verse and just quote it. Here's a verse that I've used many times as I've battled temptation in my own life. James chapter four, verse seven says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There've been moments where I've been under attack from the enemy, great temptation, sometimes during fasting, sometimes during, not during fasting. There are moments I will say that verse like 50 times in a row, like, Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. God, in this moment, I submit to you because I am so tempted by that thing. But I want you more than I want that. So God, I submit to you. Satan, get out of here, leave me alone. That's what Jesus did in that moment. Told Satan, get out of here, leave me alone. You don't have uh, the, the right to be here. Tempting me with that. So sometimes we need to do that and we need to be serious about it. We need to be serious and follow that up so Satan knows we mean business. So when you pull out the word of God, that the Bible says the word of God is um, the sword of the spirit. And so it helps us fight the attacks of the enemy. So when you draw the sword of the spirit out, God's truth, it gives you God's power in that moment to fight against the attacks of the enemy. So a great way to grow in our Bible reading and our prayer is every time you're under attack, just start doing those things. So again, read the Bible, pray every day. When the attack comes, uh, fight back with prayer and Bible reading. Now, if you've never fasted before, I invite you to join us in this. I mean, you can really learn a lot as you do this. So you just try it, see what happens over a two-week time frame. If you have fasted before, I invite you to, to fast again, whether there's something really in your life you need to fast for right now, or for someone else. Maybe there's something going on in somebody else's life that you need to fast for, or um, fasting is just a great way to kind of slow down and remember who God is. Psalms 46.10 says, be still. Be still. And know that I am God. There's all kinds of clutter that happens in our lives and our brains, and distractions that come at us from everywhere. And and slowing down to fast helps us to say, I'm going to be still. And I'm going to know you're in control. You're in control of the situation that I'm not in control of. You're in control of this thing I'd like to fix, but I can't really fix. You're in control, and you can help me clear the clutter that's going on in my mind. So, fasting is a great way to do that. Now, as we close today, there should have been a a little card on your seat with a a pen next to it. So I encourage you to grab that for for just a second. I'm going to actually ask you to fill this out uh, during our closing song today. So while our our worship team closes this out, I encourage you to just spend some moments just filling this thing out. So it says, I am fasting from, and then there's a blank. So there's a chance for you to write what you're fasting from. And then I am fasting for, There's just a spot for you to write that. And there's a couple of things that you can do with this. One is you can just keep this with you. Maybe put it in your car, maybe put it at work or put it at home in a place that you'll see it and it will remind you of what you're fasting from and what you're fasting for. Now, if you would like our elder team or uh, another team to be praying with you, then I encourage you, there's a spot that says, please pray for. Just fill that out. Just write out a prayer request and we would love to pray for you. Then what you can do is you can take this, you can fold it up, slip it into one of our giving boxes at the back of each seating section. If you wanna put your name on it, if you want us to pray for you by name, put your name on it. If you don't want that, it doesn't matter. Your name is optional, your email is optional, that stuff doesn't matter. Um, But again, if you would like us to pray for you, then uh, write that out and then put that in our giving box. So again, while our worship team closes this out today, spend some time really reflecting on this. God, what do you want me to fast from? God, what do you want me to fast for? God, guide me as I spend the next two weeks showing that you're number one and you're going to take care of the rest of these things in my life. So let's pray together. God, I'm so grateful for that passage where we see Jesus defeating the temptation that all of us face. Lord, there's so many temptations that come at us and there's so many situations that that we deal with in our own lives that we don't know what to do. And Lord, you're clear in scripture that fasting is a great way to demonstrate to you how serious we are about the thing we're fasting from, how serious we are about making the changes in our lives, how serious we are about starting over and making it really count this time around. Lord, I know that there are some people here today that are desperate. Desperate for you to work in their situation. Desperate for you to work in their, their health or their relationship or their finances or their job or any number of things. So Lord, out of that desperation, we, we wanna commit to this fast together. where We wanna show you, God, we're desperate for you to work and if you don't show up, we're just not sure what we're gonna do. So Lord, I pray that you would Guide us on this journey. I know that you will. I just pray that our eyes will be open. I pray that our ears will be open. I pray that this just won't be a a couple of weeks where we give up a few food items. I pray this will be a couple of weeks where we see you work in ways that we could only imagine that you would work. So Lord, we give you the, the start of this fast. We've got two weeks ahead of us. And we're going to walk every day reading the Bible and praying and learning how to do those things on a regular basis for all of our lives. So empower us as we do this. Work in our situations, I pray. And guide us as we continue on in our series next week, as we keep learning how to hit the reset button and make sure that this time is really different than all those other times. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen. Your life is full of potential. Hopes. Dreams. Celebration. Joy. Success. But when your life takes a sudden turn and the unexpected becomes reality, you may wonder, is
1: there more? What if your life was part of the biggest story ever written? A story that weaves throughout all of history and is still unfolding into the future.
0: Starting Point. Find your place in the story.
2: morning, everyone. I see everybody slept in this morning. We're packed in here today, aren't we? Well, we're so happy you guys came to join us for our reset series. If you could, there is a card by you that has our small group environment information on there. Now, as you've seen, our small groups are starting up here shortly. And if you haven't had the opportunity to be in one of our small groups here, then starting point would be the great opportunity for you. Now, Starting Point is a 10-week conversational group environment to where you get to explore the story of God as well as experience community. So if you're interested in joining that, we're going to be having a meeting next Sunday after both services. Um, and if you could, please go back to Tim Jones, he's at, back, in back at the table, and sign up with him or you can go online at theepicchurch.com and sign up for that. Now, if you've already been through Starting Point and you're not in a group yet, we're going to be having community groups starting up shortly also, which would be men's, women's, and couples groups. So how you join that is that we're going to have a five-week group experience to where you get to uh, experience community, and at the end of that, you'll be able to join a men's, women, or couples group. So we're going to be doing that over at Palm Coast Community Church, at February, on February 8th, and we are going to be providing childcare for sixth grade and below. So again, please go to the back and sign up with Tim Jones. He's at the back there, or you can go online at theepicchurch.com. We just want to be able to get a count to see who's going to be participating in both of those environments. Now, we have some cool stuff happening, and today, right after service, we're going to be having a meeting for our Go Guatemala trip. So if you're interested in going on either of the trips in July, um, we ask that you uh, just go get your children, if they're in the back area, and then over on the other side of the uh, curtain here, we have our teacher's lounge. Teacher's lounge, join them over there, and Carla is going to be giving you information about that also. Now, if you call Epic your home and you'd like to give back uh, to what we're doing in the community and bridging that gap to Jesus, um, you can give two ways. You can give online at theepicchurch.com, or you can give in the giving boxes, which are directly behind you. Now, another way that you can give back is give back to yourself. We have a marriage event coming up in St. Augustine um, in March, that is called A Weekend to Remember. And this is an amazing way to invest back into your marriage and into your relationship. So it doesn't matter if you guys have the perfect relationship, perfect marriage, or maybe it's, you're new to it, or you have a little bumpy road, it doesn't matter. This is gonna be the perfect environment for you to be able to check out. So if you're interested, uh, we're just trying to get account. Nathan Gilliam is in the back. And the average cost is normally about $175 a person. But right now they have a special promotional offer if we're able to get it soon to where it's buy one get one free. So we're trying to get an advance number to see if we could take advantage of that promotion they have going on. So again, Nathan Gilliam's in the back. You can go back and see him. He's right next to Tim back there and sign up for that and he can help answer any questions that you may have. So again, thank you guys for coming and joining us today. Go ahead and check out this video.
1: I don't think I realized how hard marriage was going to be. Every marriage goes through good times and bad times. I was pretty sure we weren't going to make it. We've been very happy. We just want to stay that way. Family Life's Weekend to Remember is a fun, romantic weekend getaway for you and your spouse to learn practical tools and God's blueprint for a successful marriage. For decades, more than a million couples have attended a Weekend to Remember, and 96% agreed it had a positive impact on their marriage. The Weekend taught us ways to communicate that we didn't even think were possible.
2: It took our communication to the next level.
1: The Weekend to Remember gives you tools that you didn't even know you need. It gave us a chance to relax and reconnect. We got a little sizzle going, too. (laughs) Get away from your busy life. Shut down the cell phones and work together to build a step-by-step plan for a better future together. Choose from more than 70 events across the country, destinations that are truly a getaway. Register today and reinvest in yourselves and your marriage.
2: It worked for us.
1: We think every couple should attend a weekend to remember. This saved us. Go to weekendtoremember.com or call 1-800-FL today to learn more. Your marriage is worth it.
0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to Epic, so glad that you're here today, and I cannot encourage you enough. If you're married, that would be a great weekend experience for you. Um, I I really encourage you to stop back there, talk to Nathan, get a little bit more information about that. Now's a great time, get a buy one, get one free kind of a thing. Uh, My wife and I have been to a Weekend to Remember experience. It's a, a great experience. Again, like Cody said, whether your relationship is doing great or your relationship isn't doing so great. This would be a great weekend for you to go invest in your relationship for a long term. And uh, like that video said, guys, if you want to bring the sizzle back, I didn't say it, the video did. I'm just echoing what what, what they said in there. Great thing to do. So go to the weekend to remember, sign up in the back.